0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Fitness Uncover Podcast. Today, we are here to answer your questions. We got a list of questions from my Instagram. Uh, some of them will bring more deeper topics of conversation than, uh, than previously. So, um, yeah, these are questions all by all of you guys that do follow us on Instagram. So, for next time that we're doing this, go ahead and give us an IG follow uh, so you can be a part of our podcast as well. Um, so yeah, you can start yeah, And this. if you...
1: Um didn't get your question answered or uh if you have a question that you didn't get to answer or que- uh, ask us definitely tune in for the next one we'll definitely be doing another one of these uh just make sure to watch out on our Instagram account for uh
0: Q&A post beautiful Right. The fitness uncovered account. Yes, the fitness, the account. fitness uncovered. Oh account. yeah! By the way, we should probably announce that too. Absolutely. We just got an account for the actual podcast uh, at fitness uncovered on Instagram. It actually, if the uncovered part has, oh, you just put it on the on the screen right there. Yeah. Because the, they took away the the, vo- the vowels. Anyways, uh, you should give us a follow there as well uh, to stay in tune with everything podcast related.
1: Yes. Perfect. Let's cool. get into it. Send it.
0: Uh, question number one: How can I gain muscle without gaining weight?
1: It's a good question it's a good question and i think a lot of people like this is gonna this is gonna hit a lot of people at home you know <laughs>
2: um
1: All right. so i think i want to start off with this one um so i think people want both things to happen simultaneously and it's not that it, it can't happen because you could definitely especially the way that this word this is worded you can definitely gain muscle without gaining weight and often this is actually what happens in the beginning when people are trying to lose weight and they start strength training. Mm-hmm. And this is actually, you know, I could think of several of my clients that are going through this right now, where um, what we do is we start them off at a maintenance with calories. So when I talk about a maintenance, it's uh, this has a lot to do with nutrition, uh, depending on how much you're eating, if you're going over your caloric uh, maintenance or if you're under it. So if you're creating a caloric surplus or, or a caloric deficit, um, it's gonna, Play a, a big role in, in in if you're gonna gain weight or not. But if you're in maintenance and you're starting to strength train, this is often what happens. You will gain muscle and maybe the scale won't move. Um, so you re-comp. will right. You will yeah. recomp. Yeah. So so that's what this question is really going into. But I want you guys to.
0: When I read this question, that's actually not where my mind went. My mind went to the uh, the person that wants to gain to gain muscle and want they want to look better, but they're scared of the weight on the scale going up because that's they associate yeah. that with a bad thing
1: i think that that's the way that this question was asked yeah i just want yeah but uh, absolutely which I think by that the that's way it,
0: my answer to that would be forget about the damn weight dude yeah. like build your muscle like the weight is only a measurement of the mass of you against gravity
1: absolutely i think that especially for a um a person that want that obviously this person sees the value of, of building muscle because they're asking this question so somebody's already you know made that imprint uh with with this person. So yeah, what Nick said is absolutely the answer. It's not worrying about the the number on the scale, because what if I told you that you could look the way that you wanted to look, but you would not move on the scale. If you looked in the mirror tomorrow and you saw the results that you wanted, but the scale still didn't read the number that you wanted to read, would you be happy? I think that most people would be happy. I think that people are Married or have a relationship with the number that they don't quite understand.
3: Yeah, the thing is that what I've seen is people try to get back to that number when they were at their quote-unquote peak when they were younger. You know, with like 17, 18, 19, 20. You know, in their early 20s. And so all of a sudden, when you're presenting them to presenting this to them that they're going to gain muscle mass, but not gain weight, they're like, wait, because the times that I've gained weight, I don't look any better Mm -hmm. but it's just they have to trust the process that you know we discuss with them and eventually yeah it's just trust and eventually when they get to that goal is it's gonna be even better weight
0: matters a lot less than you think yeah
1: absolutely a lot less absolutely and you know what body composition really is like your weight you can look vastly different at the same weight Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that you like it's very hard to fully change your body composition. I think we should answer this this way. It's very hard to change your body composition while maintaining weight. If you really want to make significant changes, there are going to have to be some fluctuations over time. That doesn't mean that you're going to have to gain a ton of weight in order to build a ton of muscle, Um, but it does mean that you're going to have to kind of give it a little bit of a trade-off. You're going to have to stop worrying so much about if the scale comes up or not, because maybe the best route for you, especially if it's somebody that is under eating, like if they're already Mm -hmm. under eating, let's say that this person is eating a thousand calories, right? A thousand, thousand, even to 1500 per day, even if you're eating 1500 per day and you're, so what we would call that, I would say that that's pretty low, um, in a caloric intake. If you can't lose weight and you're already eating that low, then I would suggest to increase your caloric intake simply because it's going to be better quality of life as well. So it's going to be easier to cut once we increase that maintenance yep. mm-hmm. and your maintenance can be increased. And a lot of people, th- I think there's a lot of controversy about this, the whole maintenance thing, like how much muscle, like if you build a pound of muscle, how much, how many more calories it? L- Let's just put it this way. I weigh 160 pounds. I eat over 3,500 calories every single day. And I know that this is just one case. And obviously I have a my genetics play into this and everything, but I need to eat over 4,000 calories in order to gain weight. That's
0: ridiculous. Now, Good why does that happen? <laughs> right, great, that's awesome, that's
1: awesome. Um, for me, it's not so great because it's a job and I wanna gain weight. Uh, but the reason that that happens is because my composition, I have the ratio of body fat to muscle or to, to, to just lean mass in general um, is very low. So I have very low percentage of body fat. Most of that weight is, is is muscle, is is lean body mass. So that's going to, and not just that, but my lifestyle. Not only am I a trainer, so I'm picking up heavy things throughout the day just to help out my clients, but I'm also training regularly. I'm not gonna say every day because I don't train every day, but I train very regularly and I train for strength. I train in a manner that tells my body that it doesn't need to get more efficient at burning calories. It doesn't need to burn less calories. It can be okay with burning a ton of calories Mm -hmm. for the things that I'm doing. And I also do that by allowing myself to eat. So I'm at a place now that I can have so much freedom with my diet because of the way that I train, because of the way that I eat. And I don't have to worry about what the number on the scale says. Because actually, I want to weigh about 20 pounds more than what the number on the scale says. But I love how I look and I love how I feel and I love how I perform. So that's ultimately like what you should be looking at and not so much at the number on the scale
3: right because even then that number changes daily right so why torture yourself exactly because one day you might drink some more water another day you drink less so you weigh less But the day that you drank more water you're way more Mm -hmm. or if you ate later and usually weigh yourself um, pretty early in the morning you haven't fully digested your food so it's still in your stomach and that it's counted for when you're weighing yourself because the scale doesn't really know how to differ- differentiate between muscle mass, uh, water weight, bone. It's just no, it's, it's just, just one a number. It's just altogether. a number. It's just a number of all together. Yep.
0: I, I stopped weighing myself after my powerlifting competition. As soon as I'm done with prep, I used to weigh myself every day beforehand. Yeah. Nowadays I just look in the mirror and be like, probably decrease my calories <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I can probably increase them a little bit. Yeah. You can. You, but that that also comes with a little bit of experience. Yeah. 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 Once you're a little bit. Once you have been doing this for a little bit, it's like. I can eyeball most things. Right. You can intuitive. even like, eyeball food sometimes. That's
1: what intuitive eating is. So I think we can hit on that because I oh, think God. a lot of yeah. people like hear that word and, and it's buzzing around a lot, intuitive eating, right? But in order to be a, a good intuitive eater, you have to first develop good intuition when it comes to nutrition. And the way that you do that is by tracking under well for yeah absolutely (laughs) tracking yeah because you need to understand quantities you need to understand macronutrients you need to understand micronutrients you need to understand the profiles of what that means and which ones you should be having together etc and also how they affect you because every person is different in terms of like especially when it comes to nutrition um there's a lot of variables when it comes to individuals so intuitive eating needs to be developed
0: It does not mean that you should eat you should give in to the urges no. of you, what your intuition is telling you no. to go at 3 a.m in the drawer to get a cookie <laughs> that is not the intuition that we're That's talking like about
3: <laughs> one of my a pet peeve that i have of some influencers that i hear like fitness influencers speaking about oh just you just gotta listen to your body <laughs> <laughs> and how many people do you yeah, think are listening yeah, to their it's bodies like, <laughs> it's like it's like no like i like i understand what the fitness influencer is talking about Because once you understand about the profiles of of the food that you're eating and and the micronutrients and all that stuff, then you know what you need. Mm -hmm. So they understand, but I don't know, these fitness influencers seem to not understand that they're speaking to people that have never done what they've done when it comes to tracking food and stuff like that. So when they say... Oh, just listen to your body. Just listen to your body. Yeah, my body right now is telling me is an Oreo, so I'm gonna listen to my body. Yeah. yeah but it's but that's like, why no. they're influencers,
0: they're not coaches. Nick, so I, I wanna I'm ask you a
1: saying. question because of what you said. How how long before you're before you did what you are doing now? Yeah. How long did you track for?
0: I tracked unsuccessfully for two years. Failing all the time. And then I tracked successfully for two years.
1: Okay, so a total of four years yeah. attempting to track your food Correct. Mm-hmm. gave you the confidence to start making decisions without tracking. Yep. Yeah. How about you, Jose? I know you still track.
3: 12 years. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Damn, years. there you go. 12 yeah. years.
1: I've been on and off five years, maybe yeah. six. Um, but again, the first three years were every single day, almost neurotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and also I did a bodybuilding competition. So I got down to like some numbers that really helped me understand what a small difference can make in terms of macro and micronutrient profiles. Because whenever, and I think we're gonna get to some some of these questions later, but sodium intake, water intake, all of those things maybe when you're having 3,500 3, calories, like the changes, you know, with sodium and stuff like that, you might not notice them as much, but when you're at 1200 calories, 1500 calories, you know, like you will notice those rough, changes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. you I mean,
0: Trying to train at that. Yeah. yeah. Cold sweats and stuff. Jesus.
1: Before we move on, I just want to, the way that I want to finish this mm-hmm. is by giving this person an answer. Um, the way that you would gain muscle without, by minimizing weight gain would be to be in a very slight caloric surplus, um, made up of I would mostly recommend protein. So that surplus would be, you know, would you say protein? Uh, five to ten percent. Yeah, like ten percent. Maybe don't even start with that, but like five percent is a great great place to start. Um, however, It'll the caveat to slow. that, right, is it's gonna be slow, right? Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be a slow process where I would probably say like if you were to look at the process that's that person A if they take that approach of very, very slight surplus and just over time and sees very little changes on the scale versus a person that does what we're trying to uh, appeal to and kind of forgets about the scale, lets, lets themselves gain a little bit more weight because they're gaining muscle and then starts you know taking away calories and and, and does a cut and maybe even cycles through these things over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like six months of bulking and six months of cutting, maybe like two months of bulking, and then two months of cutting and then again two months of bulking and then again two months of cutting i would argue that that person would make greater results at the end of the year um than the person that takes i think
0: bench. personally it's a worthwhile approach if you're not a competitive bodybuilder to stay near maintenance yeah uh, and take the longer route mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because it's safer there's less room for error you don't have a date that you have to be ready for for anything like yeah. you're chilling man just take your time it also builds yeah. good habits yep that's right and yeah. it's something that's going to be more long-term for.
1: it's you. easier too, because what we're talking about is, like, if you... W- but, again, if you're the person that, like, I want to gain results fast, then you're going to have to, you know, maybe track. <laughs> and track, you know, and, and, and make these changes where... Which uh, segue?
0: Yeah. Segue into yeah. question number two? Yep. Um, are there options for those who do not want to track their foods? Yes. Hard question? Harder answer, maybe?
3: Um, <laughs> no, yes. It depends on your goals. Depends I think on your goals, yeah.
1: I think if... if If it's if it's a person that whose goals are not to do what we just said, which is like change your body composition. If you're just like somebody that is eating to, I want to feel better. Like I have gut issues and I want to feel better. I, you know, I'm not getting good sleep. I feel like I don't have a lot of energy. Like if that's if that's the the goal of this person, and I'm you know I want to eat and I want to get those type of results, which are health results, not necessarily composition results physical um and yeah i mean i could say like you could stick to whole foods
3: yeah we can give the people a rule of thumb like when it comes to the the foods that they should have in their plate you know every place should have a source of protein which is something that you don't see a lot amongst like the people that are not really exercising they just eat whatever it's served to them so just pasta yeah, but no yeah. protein at all just carbohydrates or for breakfast, they'll have like a little cookie with coffee and they I think move on. And it's like that. So like we can give them, if you can have a protein source, a carbohydrate source and a fat source in each meal, then you're going to be doing pretty well. And it has to come from the from whole foods, nothing yeah. that is processed.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny because um, I don't know if you guys relate to this, but at least me being from Venezuela, like our breakfasts are. Oh, terrible when it comes to, to distribution of macronutrients. Yeah, yeah. It's like all carbs, just all carbs yeah. and fats.
0: <laughs> uh, dude, I'm not really a breakfast guy. Never been. I haven't had breakfast in years. So uh, I haven't. I don't really know what Brazilian breakfast is. Oh, true. To be honest with you. So I have no Maybe reason. we'll find out. I don't know about Puerto Rico.
3: Yeah, Puerto Rico is like coffee with like a cookie. It's called Galletas Por Sola. Oh. So they just like wet the cookie on the coffee and they just, oh eat man. It and then they just move on with their yeah. day.
0: That's very um that's very European influence mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, us because yeah. if you see uh, American breakfast is not like that. It's no, also carb no, no. filled, but there's also some protein there, right. and a lot mm-hmm. of fat. Yeah. Um but that's mostly if you look at if you go to like Italy, European coffee shops or they're like that that's what they do in the morning yeah. you get like it, it's like the the sweet sweet stuff in the morning, yeah. like mm-hmm. the the brioche, and the yeah. croissants. Yeah.
3: yeah. But other things that we have is a Puerto Ricans have a lot of fried food in the morning. Uh especially the ones that work outside, like they need that fried food because it's cheap. And it gives them a high amount of calories for them to go work outside like doing mechanical stuff or just like um construction and stuff like that. it's also very satiating satiating yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, uh, maybe although i could argue maybe like it's satiating and but you will get cravings and stuff like that so i mean but uh but yeah these things are man Mm -hmm.
3: it's very cultural exactly absolutely when we're trying to teach people how to (laughs) break away from that in a certain way it's like you're literally taking them away from what they've done for for decades yeah. Yeah. and that's the I think that's one of the most difficult things for them to change because it's a habit the way they've been eating the whole time it's
1: not just a habit it's a, it's a culture it's a culture yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely
0: so I guess to answer the question is it depends how serious you want to take
1: this. right because oh. we just answered for the five percent correct but For 95 yeah. percent of people I think you do want to change your body composition yes. so if you your goals is not to do what we just said but your goals is like I want to gain five pounds of muscle 10 pounds of muscle or I want to lose you know, probably people are saying, "I want to lose ten pounds or twenty pounds." Specifically, if you have a
0: date for it, specifically I think yeah. if you want to have mm-hmm. a date, if you have a date for it, if you're like, "I have to do this by this time," sorry, you're drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That
1: is the, and I will say this, and I think I, I love this. You, you said this. I love this analogy that you put about the tunnel, um, and the dark being in the dark tunnel, right? Like you, you could guess. You could go out there and just. So you're gonna see where
0: you are, and you're gonna and see the end of the tunnel. But once you start tracking, lights are on. Lights are on. You see everything. You see right. the, all the obstacles. You see the the thing comes out the floor that you can jump. You see the things that you're going to duck over. And then eventually you're going to get to the end of the tunnel without a scar. Exactly. But if you don't track, you might get a hit or miss there. Right. right. You get a broken arm. Yeah. Hit in the face. Yep. yep. Abduction. It, you might
1: make it. Slap. You might make it there. Like, you might end up at the other side. But, like, eh. are you going to take that risk? Mm-hmm. Like, who knows what's in that tunnel? It's yeah. your choice. You know? Yeah. I heard diabetes is in that tunnel.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, she crawls around. She comes yeah. and grabs your legs. Yeah. You <laughs> Beautiful. Diabetes, obesity, Ob- everything, all right. that stuff, all that stuff. <laughs> it's lurking
1: disorders. in there. Yeah. It's lurking yeah. in there. Um, Moving on, away from yeah. nutrition. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How to train? Oh, question number three. What is the difference between training as a power lifter and as a? Can I call it regular athlete?
1: Yeah, um, we could say what like the specific question because some of these questions were kind of rewording just so it can be more general. Yeah,
0: but it, specifically the question was asked by a football player, and he was asking about specifically for football. But we just included all athletes, and this is something great because uh, Andrew Spina, the creator of the FRS method that we use for most of our clients for most of our training, just posted a video about that very recently, in which he went about how people confused skill training and strength training, specifically when it comes to power athletes, which are Olympic lifters and power lifters people confuse how those two things are not the same uh, or sorry that they are the same when in fact they're not Mm -hmm. and us for us coaches that's very important because if you think of a football team I I talked about this on my story on Instagram the other day a football team they have a uh, they have a technique coach which is the head coach Um, so that guy has the job of creating the best strategy for the team to win the football game they also have their strength coach, which the job is to prepare the athletes' bodies to best perform on game day or throughout the season. In powerlifting, it's kind of like people think that they're kind of both meshed together because the sport is the sport uses the mechanics, the, the movements that are usually used to build the strength for other sports, which are the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. So people think that like th- those are kind of like the same thing, but they're really not. And we actually have a lot of people come to us, powerlifters come to us, thinking that we're going to teach them. Specifically, powerlifting, but that's not the case. We just get we're just good at preparing bodies to powerlift, which is that's a huge difference. We do the the second job of what the football team would do. That's, that's the strength coach job, mm-hmm. um, and that's I think how th- that's the biggest difference between I think a power how we w- I mean at least me personally how I would coach a powerlifter mm-hmm. to an athlete. A powerlifter, I would think I would for the. For because of the state of the industry, I would fall. I would have a lot more responsibility in teaching them the skills of powerlifting as well as preparing their body for powerlifting as opposed to an athlete. I would just try to prepare their body as best as I can so they can perform their skill of their sport better, yeah. which may be like throwing the ball, swinging the bat, swinging the racket. Like doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah.
1: a lot of rotation.
3: Yeah. So basically a lot of rotation, yeah. So
0: basically, yeah. <laughs> so basically
3: saying that powerlifting already has a combination of when you – Train powerlifting. You're already doing your practice. Correct. Yes. So it's not like football. That in football you have to go throw the football, catch it, run and stuff like that. Hit people. And yeah, hit people, and then <laughs> you gotta go to the gym, and and work out. And so in powerlifting you have both the technique and the training Simultaneous. simultaneously. Yep.
1: I think we should um, like just qualify a little bit for this question because I think this is actually a great question for who we are because. Both Nick and Jose have a ton of powerlifting clients. And I myself have had a lot of athletic, meaning like powerlifters are also also athletes. But when people think of like athleticism, they think of like these type of sports like football, soccer, running. Because it's the state of the industry, I would agree with you. Right. Um, uh, So I think this is a good contrast to like what I think the. I want want you to finish uh, your thought process with uh, the powerlifter because I want to go into like why would you train an athlete the way that you would train an athlete versus mm-hmm. what you just said
0: mm-hmm. well the the main goal for the sorry did you want no 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 the main goal for the athlete would be just to make sure that his body is in the best condition to perform the skills required in his sport mm-hmm. now right. that may mean max strength but it also may not right. like it doesn't right. have to be on and it things. also doesn't have to, you don't have to apply max strength through your regular gym movements as in the squat bench deadlift overhead press yeah. pull up yeah like there are so many ways of applying max strength and yeah
3: there, there comes a time where you know you see a lot of uh, let's say football players they're trying to increase the max strength of their squat and so although it does help for you to, to become stronger using a squat to strengthen your legs like a, a, a football player doesn't really benefit from having a thousand pound squat. Because it's actually going to slow down the, the football player. Mm-hmm. Because to lift a thousand pound squat, you have to produce force for a long period of time. Like when you're trying to grind through that rep. And the football player it doesn't has to be faster. And so the strength curve is different for a powerlifting sport as opposed to like another sport like a football player.
0: Should we include a graph of the strength curve real quick on the screen right now? That would be um, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, the, he, he'll, he'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, so the max effort strength is at the top. That's where you grind against big weight. That's what powerlifters do. That's why you do the training that powerlifters do, which is max effort work. Football players, they don't have that much resistance. There's no a thousand pound player that they have mm-hmm. to push through. Like mm-hmm. the players are max like three hundred pounds, and they're still moving pretty quick on the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So most of the most of the the, uh, the area of the strength card that they're operating in is that low is lower. It's right here in the middle near the is it speed strength or strength speed? Speed strength. Speed strength, mm-hmm. which is more dynamic. Strength afterwards.
3: speed is the the grinding, mm-hmm. you know, right. max out. Yeah, and the speed the strength the is the, the, the power, fast. The, pa- the fast, yeah, yep. that ah, one. The, speed the, the, is the the power fast. area of yeah. the strength curve, mm-hmm.
0: which is where I think and I suggest and I program for most of my power or most of my the football players or any other athlete for a sport that's similar to that, where they should spend most of their time and energy is in that the power stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, as well as working yeah. like their joints, the connective tissue, the structures.
1: I want to take it uh, into one thing that I I think I and I I love talking about this because. Um, it also like you got to look at like, what these people are doing, like a power lifter. Like Nick was saying, like you're you, what you really want to do is you want to create a better working system so that the outcome of whatever you choose to do is going to be better. Um, so it's very similar. I think like it's it's not the same, but it's very similar. The thought process that you're going through whenever you're training a person is very similar, because what you want to do is you want to. As Nick said, give that person more tools to go to the field or the platform, in case of a power lifter, to perform better, right? So uh, one big difference that I would see here in terms of like how much value I would put to a certain style of training um, is unilateral training here. Like athletes outside of powerlifting, unless you're a goalie or unless you're uh, like a hockey goalie, like you're you're not in a bilateral stance, meaning like you're not in a square, deadlift or squat stance. Mm -hmm. 99% of the time you're gonna be balancing on one foot or a staggered stance or some type of asymmetrical stance. So you definitely wanna make sure that you're ready to withstand forces in as many variations of those stances as you possibly can and not just in a same plane of motion. So there are three planes of motion. Um, you have your frontal plane of motion, transfer, uh, transverse plane of motion, and uh, sagittal plane of motion. Most of the exercises that you're doing in the gym are in the sagittal plane of motion, which means it's going front to back. So your bicep curl is going front to back. When you're squatting, your knees are moving forward and back, your hips are moving forward and back. Um, then you have your frontal plane, which is lateral movement, and you have your transverse plane, which is rotational movement. Most movements on the field happen in the transverse and frontal plane and not necessarily mm-hmm. in the sagittal plane.
0: Same with a court or sand, right. by the way. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. absolutely. So so I would put a lot more value into those things uh, if, you, if I'm training a sports athlete versus if I'm training like a powerlifter or a strongman or, you know, somebody that is not going to be needing all of these skills as much because I'm not going to spend a bunch of time doing those things with a powerlifter as I would with somebody else.
0: I'll right. tell you what's not a difference, though. The athletes should not be Olympic lifting, specifically.
1: Unless you're an Olympic lifter. Unless you're an Olympic lifter. Unless you're an Olympic
0: lifter. Power cleans for football players are not as great as. A lot of strength. So so many better tools.
3: So many. Yeah, exactly. Because the Olympic lifts, people don't don't receive the respect that they deserve. Like there's such technical movements. I think it's the highest sport. And Olympic lifts don't make you more explosive. What Olympic lifts do is they show you how, ex- they show people how explosive you are. Okay, mm-hmm. it's a display mm-hmm. of explosive strength. It's not a explosive strength developer. And so- Do so you so wanna
0: explain how the Olympic lifters build that explosiveness?
3: Yeah, they do that through uh, doing jump squats or they do, uh, uh, like you could say, unilateral, can be jumping lunges. It could be- um bounce, hops. It could be bounce, hops, uh, plyometric training. Um, uh move the bar with a lighter weight and move it as fast as possible. Um uh, they also do a lot of uh um uh, speed tr- speed speech strength which is a lot of 1 to 3 rep maxes to build more strength so they can handle more weight. And, and, and then they yeah. have their practice which is the display the actual the sport display, which is the skill. Yeah. The
1: skill. That's the skill. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I think that's
3: There was I read this book. It's called Scientific Principles of Strength Training. And the have author, has, yes, yes. Huh? Is that the one for this? No, no. Yeah. This one is from uh, Juggernaut Training Systems, uh, oh, Chad yeah. Wesley Smith mm-hmm. uh, and, and, his, and his team. And it was kind of funny when I read this sentence. He was like, you know, powerlifting shouldn't be called powerlifting. Powerlifting should actually be called force lifting. I agree. Because power implies that you're moving something as fast as possible. Yeah. And in powerlifting, you're not moving the bar as fast as possible. No. You're just finishing the lift. If it doesn't anything. matter if it takes 10 seconds or one second. Most of the time, if you're grinding out a one rep max, you're not finishing in one second. You're finishing in a good four to seven seconds to finish the whole lift. Maybe 10 seconds if you're a really, really good grinder. It's a little shaky yeah. deadlift. So <laughs> so that's, that's force right there. You're applying force for a long period of time. And then he said that weightlifting should be called Power powerlifting.
0: Yep. You can even switch them over, like be like powerlifting should be called weightlifting. Exactly. At least, exactly. You're, at least yeah. you're lifting yeah. some yeah. weight. They, they should, it would yeah, make yeah. more sense. Yeah, it would yeah. make more sense.
1: It would make more yeah. sense. Absolutely. But we don't make the rules. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think that yeah, one good. of the reasons why like uh that became a thing, which is where like everybody was using Olympic lifts to train athletes, is because If you had never trained something like that and you started training something like that, I could see maybe some athletes getting some benefits from it. But then people are like, again, like we see those benefits and we don't ask why we're getting those benefits. And it's because we've not trained that style of training before. We're missing out on something. So like maybe we see some benefits, but there's way better things that you could be doing, which is what Olympic lifters do to get more explosive.
0: So um, I actually think I have an answer for that. Um, Most of the studies that we have for for to train athletes that we got from the foundations of uh, training science came from Russia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the, the Soviet Union back in the, in the Olympic days. Thank you, most Russia. Yes, thank you. Soviets, amazing work with your athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, they use the Olympic lifts a lot for their Olympic lifters, not for all their athletes. But basically, the Americans kind of got that, all those studies, and kind of, oh, they do Olympic lifting for everything, so we're going to do Olympic lifting for everything. Yeah, so everybody's yeah. going to do Olympic lifts.
3: Yeah. It's such a high high-risk movement to do, especially for a player, a football player, who needs their hands. Like, you need your hands really a lot when you play shit. football, grabbing, catching, throwing. If you miss, if you do a bad rep on an on on Olympic lift, let's say a clean, and you catch that bar too low with your wrist all extended with a lot of load, you could break your wrist or you can, you can strain your wrist. And so you're actually messing up your main asset to play in your sport. So, Try to use another tool to build explosiveness. Maybe <laughs> like do some medicine ball throws over your head, or like uh, broad jumps, or uh, a weighted, you know, squat with jumps, or something like that to build that kind of explosiveness. That is safer to do rather than trying to throw a bar over your head or cling it to your yeah. to your clavicle. Yeah, one of my the,
1: the my one of three of my favorite things to do for speed and power training are fast sled work, like you said, medicine ball training, mm-hmm. and sprinting like actual just fast movements or not just sprinting, but like body weight, fast movements. So jumps, hops, bounce in all of the planes of motion that I mentioned earlier. Um, and yes, sprinting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Question number four, again, changing topics. Do you need to change the way you work out as you wage past 40? That question is creeping up on both of you more than it is on me. <laughs> Um so you guys can start answering that cuz you guys are going to hit that wall before I am. I'm chilling. Thanks I got man. 19 years to go. Should I go first since I'm uh, the senior. oldest one? <laughs> senior. It's coming, man. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um definitely when you're younger, you can get away with you know being dumb with your training because your leg and tendons muscles are just young. They they still can recover faster and and so I remember my days when I started working out. I was doing arms every single day. And but I did not good. get injured it worked out <laughs> fine let's go um, yeah. gym bro in my chest and and you know but drinking your C4 definitely as you get older since you have more wear and tear as you go just overall with with your life you have to train smarter that's not that I mean what i'm trying to say is that i'm still going to be squatting if i if i want, if I, I enjoy squatting the lifting and bench pressing overhead pressing pull ups i enjoy doing those things that's why i do them they're not the only exercises that or exists, if you don't like doing them, you can, there's other options for you. Me personally, I could continue to do that. I just have to continue to prepare my body to do so. Okay, so I always take care of my, my joints, I always take care of my ligaments and tendons, and we do that with the system that we learned from Dr. Spina, the functional range systems. And that's allowed me to continue to do these things that I enjoy at 31 years of age. I have friends that are 31 years of age that cannot do these things anymore because they did not take care of their body. Mm so can you continue to train the same yes you just have to continue to prepare your body to do those tasks that you're asking him asking it to do
0: oh yeah man there's a uh, there's the whole my ma- like master's division class in powerlifting which is over yeah. 40 right yeah and b- they get some pretty strong people pretty there. Strong, uh, yeah. um yeah. like norton just got first place in worlds and mm-hmm. I like what he's over 40 definitely. He's over 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for the master division, so like You can but definitely do whatever you want, man. It's just how much work are you willing to put in right. to do those things at that age? That's yeah. that's the question you should be asking, I think.
1: Yeah. Um I'm going to purchase this a different way. Not that I disagree at all because mm-hmm. that was all You can perfect. disagree. <laughs> um please disagree, <laughs> Andres. Uh we're l- by the way guys, we're looking for something to disagree on. So if you guys want to throw some the, you know questions at us topics drift us <laughs>
0: apart yeah. yeah make us make us not be friends anymore <laughs> somehow please yeah we got to do like the whole breakup band and get yeah. back together, <laughs> like the Beatles.
1: so um what i've noticed uh i'm only 28 but what i've noticed in at least like in the past 10 years of my training is not necessarily that like i feel like i need to train different but my goals change mm-hmm. So I think that there's a lot of that as people age that like you're going to want to do different things. There are going to be different things that are going to be at the top of your list in terms of values to you, because that's just how life works. You know, you're not always wanting to do the same things. You're not always wanting to reach the same goals, hit the the same PRs. Um, It used to matter a lot to me, like I was alluding to earlier, how much I weighed and how big I was, how much I still would love to, you know, win the Olympia. But um, (laughs) now I, I care a little bit more about the abilities that I have, like how well I can move, you know. Talking about plyometrics, I love. Th- this is another thing. Like once I started training, like and like athletic training. When I when I talk about athletic training, I mean plyometrics, power. speed, power. Plyometrics. What we were just talking about
3: Rot- rotational movements. And, it's so yeah. fun. Yeah, I
1: like training that way. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I can. I have a four-year-old, so it makes me feel like I can do anything that I want to do with my four-year-old. And again, like I know. I'm only 28, but I know, I know a lot of my friends that have back pain, knee pain, you know, things that they they'd be like, oh, going to play a baseball game. Like, I don't know about that, man. You know, so like I feel great. I feel like I can do all of those things. I feel like I, you know, like maybe he has a lot more energy than I do. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think that. The goals change as you age and your training is going to have to change according to those goals as well, apart from the physical stuff that is going to happen. But, yes, uh, Jose is absolutely right. I think that as you start aging, there are other things that are going to come up that you're just going to have to start taking care of. Like he said, tendons and ligaments when you're younger, maybe you don't need to do a lot of training to to, to, to keep those up to par with everything else as you're younger. But that could also be because you're not – like I've used, if, if your training age is – a lot and you get super strong then you better start training mm-hmm. other things as well because then you're just going to be training the same the same ways over and over and over again so it's not just about your age it's about how long have you been doing the same type of training for
0: oh yeah man mm-hmm. i was uh i was 18 i had been training so I was 15 that's that's five years mm-hmm. that's when i hit my wall for for joint pain yeah, oh, five, yeah if you said 15 years years to, well. 18, so 13, to 18 or 13 13 13 yeah, so yeah, yeah 18 that's when i was like okay something's wrong here yeah, yeah let me yeah. address this yeah. right now and yeah 18 years old, you probably shouldn't be feeling those things. Yeah.
1: So there's a lot of different things that are going into this question. It's not just your age, but it's like, what have you been doing or not doing during that time? You know, how long have you been doing what you've been doing for or not doing that? Um, And your goals, like ultimately, it's, it's, it's a mix of all of these things. So to answer the question, I think like a short answer is, yes, you will have to change your training style as you develop your training career but it has a lot more to do with just your age because like jose said you could train the same and if you're training all of those things right now all of the things i mentioned if you have your mobility on check if you have your performance on check if you have your strength on check if you have if you if you have well rounded training today as a 20 year old you may not need to change that mm-hmm. as your age the answer mm-hmm.
0: is always train what you're worse at Exactly. If something else becomes worse because of your age, then you're going to have to train that more.
1: Always make sure all the boxes are checked. Correct. Yep. There you go. Yeah.
0: Cool. Question number five. Um, how badly is that, is that the one? Yeah. How badly will it affect me if I don't eat enough protein for a few days? And we were actually talking about this before <laughs> the podcast started because what's the definition of a few days for yeah, you? What's that's, the definition of a few that's days important. for me? Because a few days can mean... Three Days or a few days can mean 90 yeah. days. I mean,
1: if it's two days, like <laughs> there's people that fast for two days, and I, you know, that, that, that could be beneficial. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and they're, I mean, if you're fasting, you're not eating protein. Um, but, uh, I, I, I probably think that that's not what this person needs. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, like how long can I go
3: without things going bad? Right. That's what yeah, they exactly they ask. So, the person that asked this question, they 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 go to school. They go to medical school, and so they're very busy with with their schedule, yeah. uh, especially with their studying. And so sometimes they don't have enough time to finish, you know, their macros or whatever, mm-hmm. and eating enough protein. And at the same time, they're, they're training, and so they they train at a high level. Um, oh yeah, you know, you probably know yeah, who it is. Yeah, yeah. they're trying high. L- yeah, she she's a powerlifter. She trains at a high level, um, but sometimes she doesn't have enough time to eat. And so the times that has happened to her, I'm like, don't worry. Don't stress out about it. Uh, Maybe your recovery is going to slow down a little bit. But if it does slow down when you step into the gym, if you have to lower the weight, then then lower the weight and forget about it. You know, next next week when you have more time, get back into your schedule. Always try to get back into into it. You know, like don't give up overcorrect yeah overcorrect it don't be like oh i missed one day i'm I'm done it's over yeah now i have to eat twice as much protein tomorrow (laughs) just yeah just next day try to do better and when you have the 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 time to do it perfectly then do it perfectly but just continue to train continue to be consistent and and you'll be fine so
1: yeah yeah. absolutely I, i like that answer i i think it largely depends on like for everybody at home that isn't this person it largely depends on like this question is worded how badly will it affect me if i don't eat enough protein how much are you under eating of protein so like are you if you're supposed to be eating 120 grams of protein a day and you're getting 60 consistently again how much is a few days like how there's much gonna for, be how, some, long, how, for how long how bad is the deficit right. right so there's yeah. a lot of different things so if that's the case where you're you missed it by let's say 20 30 grams and like you did a couple days of that like just get back on track yeah get back on track keep training keep Like we said, always trust the process. It's also at that
0: point that's gonna shave off what like two percent of your performance. It's like if the majority of the boxes are checked, like you Mm -hmm. should be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Moving on. Yep. Cool. Question (sighs) number six. Can you talk about the benefits of kettlebell training versus dumbbell training? And I personally think this is a harder one to answer because weight is weight, movements movement. Where the weight is shifting you to is kind of like up to you and up to your coach.
3: Um, they both have their benefits, and they both have, should be used. Like yeah. one, one is not better than the other. They both provide benef- benefits that the other one doesn't. Yeah, I'll
1: answer it um, the way that I program the two different ones and why I would choose one over the other. Um, so I think for people, whenever they're learning a new movement, um, kettlebell training can be really useful because it makes you a little bit, especially like a press, and the way that I coach a press. Um, I think allows people to understand irradiation, which is a topic that we talk about a lot in the FRS system, which is just having more tension throughout your entire body. Um, And the way that I teach a press when you use a kettlebell is to pull the, this is gonna be hard for people that are only listening through audio, but to pull the kettlebell into the forearm to make sure that your knuckles are pointing in the direction that you're pressing. Because a lot of people kind of break their wrist when they're using kettlebell and they kind of just press like that. So that, that, right, so that movement of pulling that kettlebell in is going to, A, increase your grip strength, B, increase your wrist and elbow stability, as Mm -hmm. well as shoulder, and is also going to uh, make you more aware of your movement as you're performing it, because now you have to pay more attention to everything that's going on. Um, So I love that aspect of just just that one, of like changing a press from a dumbbell to a kettlebell, uh, you you get those benefits. I think that uh, kettlebells are really useful for plyometric training as well. Um, so kettlebell swings, things like that for an athlete, like if you really want to clean and if you really want to snatch, I would say that a kettlebell clean and a kettlebell snatch would be a way safer option than a barbell clean or a barbell, barbell snatch. Um, and those are still not the ones that I would necessarily use, but if you really want to do those, then, you know, that's, that's another, uh, benefit, um, right there. Stability training suitcase carries things like that i like it because the the weight is a little bit lower on the center of gravity uh so the weight distribution feels a little bit for the kettlebell for the kettlebell yes Mm -hmm. for the kettlebell um it feels a little bit different and uh and it can just
3: also be a new training stimulus Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know one of my new new favorite exercises that i'm doing now i mean it's not a new exercise but it's the the dumbbell row i don't like it so much anymore. Because the bigger the dumbbell becomes, you know, because I'm rowing so much weight, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the bigger the dumbbell becomes, the more comfortable it is to row it. Because as you're pulling the dumbbell towards towards your your belly button or like let's say your hips, it just like hits your your hips, and so I, I switched it, it, it up. Gives to you doing, an Yeah, it's, it's just like I can't hit my lats, you know, I can't hit my lats <laughs> like, like I would. So I switched the kettlebell, and so since the kettlebell is just a, like a big circle, and it's When, I, when I do the, when, underneath my hand when I do the row, I actually feel my lats contracting yeah battery i can co- focus more man and we skull crushers too like I was about to with, say. with dumbbells when you do skull crushers you got to do it in neutral grip you can't ca- you can't pronate your grip and so with the kettlebells you can actually pronate your grip so mm-hmm. it just give you a di- different option
0: i was about to say switch your uh your skull crushers for a week from easy bar or from the dumbbells to kettlebell and tell me you're not trying to stabilize more man mm-hmm. the first time i did it, i was like shaking it's like what the heck is this it's it's just a tool it's a tool yeah, it's yeah. a tool you yeah. have to uh, and that's the job of the coach yeah. that that's what we study for this it's yeah you have to learn how to use the tool like tool apply it probably
1: yeah um another one way that i love <laughs> to use kettlebells is uh upside down kettlebell exercises so instead of what i was describing earlier which is the regular oh. way to hold the kettlebell have the actual bell be upside down so the horns of the of the kettlebell are the, what you're holding on to and the bell is actually on top of that mm-hmm. um so it requires a lot more stability it requires a lot more coordination and you're probably gonna be a quarter of the weight the that, you can lift that you it, could yeah. actually lift for, yeah. uh, for a regular press um so i love doing those things for like shoulder stability even just like carries you know walking so mm-hmm. carrying the kettlebell uh, upside down and walking whether it's overhead, whether it's in a front rack position, whether it's in a like a 90 degree angle of uh, shoulder flexion position, all great. All great, again, awareness, body movement awareness, all of those things, awareness of where your joints are at, of where your weight distribution is at, things like that. Um, great tool, I think it's a great tool.
0: Yeah. Cool. Moving on to question number seven. Should non-athletes do plyometric training and why? Yes. yes. Aren't you the big fan? of the plyometric plyometric training yes
1: yes i love uh i love plyometric training go ahead Um, mr athlete having said that i think that most people initiate plyometric training incorrectly Uh, i think that people just have these exercises that they see people doing when they think of plyometric training which are usually like box jumps uh the olympic lifts that we were talking about you know all these things that I would say are at the very end of the spectrum when it comes to progression in plyometric training. Um, The way that I actually start people (laughs) doing plyometric training is pogo hops so and supported pogo hops. So it might even be like weight assisted. So you're holding onto a band that's attached above you and you're literally just doing very like slapping the floor, very little jumps just to get that Achilles tendon to start responding to some speed training Mm -hmm. and and having loads under speed and responding to loads changing directions things like that so just by the way let's first define plyometric training plyometric training to me at the beginning yeah yeah Yeah. i'm sorry (laughs) i wish we could edit this but (laughs) plyometric training to me at least this is my definition of plyometric training is a movement that is faster than the way that you currently train a movement that's faster like because it depends on what you're doing that what i could consider a plyometric because i could consider for somebody that's uh uh what, what what's that what are those uh, things called when you have like the obstacle courses you know the ninja warrior thing you know what I'm talking race? about no no it's not spartan race it's like the people that like jump from place to place like it's not parkour, parkour but parkour. It's, it's american ninja warrior is the thing that that it, that it is what but the it's they, they do these it's literally people that are like jumping from or like uh, it's P- Spider-Man, it's Peter obstacle. Parker. Literally Spider-Man. <laughs> literally Spider-Man. Um, they would not get the same benefits from that pogo jump that like somebody that's never done that. So it just depends. Um, plyometric training is speed training. It's really just like training speed. A lot of people will put it under like you have to leave the ground, so it's mm-hmm. like a little bit of a jump. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's a little bit overcomplicating, and I think it's just speed training because you could you could do plyometric training without leaving the floor, in my opinion. Um, so yeah. I think athletes should definitely be doing uh, plyometric training. Um, I want to hear a little bit more from you guys before I make my next point on that, though.
3: No, I think you hit a lot of the, the points. Uh, definitely, like you said, uh, a lot of people go into plyometric too soon uh, without their bodies being prepared to do so uh, just because of the popularity of the exercises. And so it looks cool, and, and, you know, the person that is probably doing it looks very athletic, and you're like, oh, if he's th- if he's doing it then and he looks like that, I should do it too. mm mm-hmm. uh, but you explained it perfectly when it comes to slowly progressing people into it, you know. It, I, I, even especially when the person is much older. You know, when the kids when, when when you're a kid and you're young, you can you do plyometric triggering all the time all the time. Something simple as running is plyometric. Mm-hmm. And so when you're playing like hide and seek or you're just playing a sport and you you're playing basketball, you're playing football, you're doing plyometric movements all the time. But when you become older, as you become more sedentary, that's when your tendons and ligaments start kind of like degrading. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Anders was explaining. Like if a person hasn't done plyometric training in, in a long time or ever, start him up with something more supported, like pogo jumps, you know, maybe a uh, jumping rope or just jumping without a rope, you know, mm-hmm. up and down with their toes and stuff like that. So, yeah. or doing a, f- a fast movement because, you know, throwing a medicine ball can also be plyometric. Absolutely, So. and you're not leaving the ground. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Um. And but the reason why a person that is a non-athlete should do plyometric training is due to developing and or keeping the fast-twitch muscle fibers, which they slowly continue to degrade if you don't use them. And so for improvement of overall life, like quality of life, the more plyometric you can be, the, more f- the faster you can be, the more m- fast-twitch m- muscle fibers you can have. Then the easier your life will be. You know, getting off the chair or those like are the ones that go away. Yeah, those are, are the ones that go away. That's why old people yeah. move slow, not right. because they they're just old. It's right. Because e- exactly. Great, exactly. Yeah. So, as a as you get older, you should continue to maintain fast movements so that you can have a good quality of life and just continue to walk, move, run, and get off the chair and do daily tasks.
0: Yeah. That was actually one of my biggest pet peeves with. Um, most group fitness classes is because they start, they just throw people to the lions in plyometric training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most people that are older than like 25 and they haven't moved them in a long time are not ready for it, specifically if they're overweight. Mm-hmm. And the trainers, they have to be really good trainers to know how to regress those movements into easier. On the spot. Easier, yeah, on the spot, under right. time, under a time crunch with your boss looking at you, telling you to do thing this now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I and, s- and, so and, much. and specifically, even worse, <laughs> even worse with, Crossfit classes because you're putting them to do all those things together while with a bar over your head in this snatch position. Yeah, <laughs> and which which we, again we touched on the the Olympic lifts earlier. Yeah. So combine all those things together and you have a recipe for disaster. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. I, I think it, I think another really big reason why a non athlete should do this is something that we touched on uh, in our earlier podcast or previous podcast with Doctor John Russin, which is injury. So, usually, injury happens when you're absorbing force, usually. So, like, if you fall off, if you're, let's say, in your, on your, uh, the bed of your truck, you jump off the bed of your truck because you're moving. I don't know what you're doing. For some reason, you're on the bed of your truck and you jumped off. Um, and you injure your knee or your, your ankle or whatever. Uh, that's due to the inability of your body to absorb that force efficiently as you are landing on the floor again. Mm-hmm. That is a plyometric movement. That is the uh, that the ability of force production and then force absorption are all aspects of plyometric training, especially under speed. And when you fall from the bed of your truck or jump off the bed of your truck, you can't control the speed at which you're going to fall. And Gravity's and ultimately going to control the,
0: that. The reason for that is also because that's an eccentric contraction. You're you're taking uh, for you're absorbing force out of the ether out of your body, like, mm-hmm. and and your eccentric contractions are your strongest. So if your eccentric contraction can handle the pressure or the, the, the intensity or the, the I guess, the, the weight of whatever you were trying to stop, nothing else is going to be able to handle. That's, like, the last little bit of, like, force that you can produce or absorb. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, another reason would be to mitigate injuries or to, in this case, yeah, you could prevent certain injuries from happening if you're training plyometrics because you won't get injured because you're training plyometrics. So, if you jump off the bed of your truck and you're training Depth jumps, whenever you're going to the gym, which is literally jumping off of the bed of your truck, like you, it's instead of jumping up to the box, what a depth jump is, is you stand on the box and you jump off and you absorb the force with intention. So if you're training that and then you go and you jump off the bed of your truck, you're way more prepared for that situation. Even if it's a fall, mm-hmm. even if you didn't mean to jump off, your tissues are way more prepared to handle that. So therefore uh either you the injury won't happen or even if it does happen um the damage won't be as great and the recovery will be way easier
0: mm-hmm. So, what, what would be a situation that someone would be jumping off the
1: you're moving of the you have all your boxes on the bed of your truck you're going fishing all the fishing, fishing poles are all the way in the back <laughs> you, gotta, you got the last little piece of bait that you left all the way there you got to get up on top and you gotta jump off you're washing your truck there you go all those things
0: i think he's done this before yeah, and experience. I don't even have a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, dude, I like the next one. Question number eight. This one's a very simple, very cool one. Is red meat bad for you? No. No. <laughs> no.
1: no. No. Next but, question. But I think we should... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's actually just leave it like that. Let's just move on. <laughs> um, I think the biggest reason why people think that red meat is bad for you is because... Obviously, you could definitely look up right now on Google, is red meat bad for you? And find articles that are going to tell Millions. you both. Millions things. of articles.
0: Millions. Millions. You can find an article for anything in this world. Yeah,
1: Yeah. especially when it comes to nutrition because, unfortunately, it is very difficult to, A, fund nutrition research, and, B, if it does get funded, the way that it is uh, executed is usually observational or survey, which means that they are taking a group of people and asking them questions about how they are eating over time. So they're not even observing these habits being, you know, happening in front of them. They're just, okay, we're gonna meet in two months and you're gonna tell me, uh, have you been eating meat? And usually this is not categorized into like organic or what kind of meat, is it a burger? Is it, uh, you know, is it just processed meat? Grass or is fed it, right, or is it grass fed? Or is it, what source is it coming from? It's never really categorized in that way because funding again. But, um, so the, the research is not excluding all variables from this. So when you get, in my opinion, when you get an, uh, a research article that is saying Americans that eat meat are way, at way higher risk for heart disease or, or, or high blood pressure or whatever these, uh, uh, all of these things you can find if you make a Google search, Google search. Um, it's because of the type of meat that they're consuming and not necessarily meat in general. Um, so, especially in an American diet, so I think we could just make a good example, game changers. I think a lot of people have watched that. Unfortunately, um, a lot of people have watched that. It is a Netflix sponsored documentary uh, that has nothing to do with actual health practitioners. And it is just somebody that wanted to go out and make a documentary and research all of these topics and present it to you. Um, and a lot of the things that they use are what I'm talking about. So this is this research that is just kind of like vague and yeah, we, we can find something and, and bastardize it and blow it up and be like, make a huge deal out of it. But at the end of the day, I don't think that there's enough research to say
3: red meat is bad, mm-hmm. period. Well, you touched on a lot of really, really good points there. Uh, definitely like with those research papers that talk about people that consume meat uh it's incomplete because we don't know if that person is exercising those people that have been tested are are they are they they exercising or what else are they eating yeah like what else are they eating and so, so i've heard about people saying oh red meat makes my stomach hurt and stuff like that i mean but what else are you not eating that is affecting you know your gut bacteria that are supposed to be helping you with digesting the the meat and so Definitely having a a balanced diet, rich in fiber, uh, fruits and vegetables, along with the meat, will definitely help the consumption of the meat because meat has vitamins and minerals that other foods do not have. You know, like magnesium, zinc, iron, um, vitamin B6. I mean, B6 is in other other ones, but are very bioavailable. But but they're bioavailable; they're easy for your body to, to absorb. Some plants don't have those vitamins and minerals, but they're not that bioavailable, and so yeah it's 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 a hard topic but
1: i'm gonna keep you on that what you just said because then i think a lot of people will read this stuff like the 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 research that says red meat is bad Mm -hmm. and then completely make a transition to vegetarian or vegan Mm -hmm. um so i want to ask like kind of going off of this why if you're eating like let's say tofu versus red meat what are some of the benefits that red meat would have for you that tofu does not
3: iron magnesium zinc vitamin b6
1: right and the bioavailability of those things as well and so the bioavailability for those at home is let's say that they have let's say that tofu which they don't by the way but let's say that tofu and red meat had the exact same micronutrient profile so everything that jose just said the magnesium the vitamin uh the vitamin b6 the iron all of those things let's say that tofu also had them um in red meat because it's not a processed food you're going to be able to absorb those nutrients easier and more efficiently. So maybe you can absorb 85% of them versus 75% or 30% thir- yeah, with the yeah. tofu. So even if they had the same exact micronutrient profiles, you would still get more
0: benefits. Yep. So basically, it's, it's almost like a non-negotiable, man. Like I think, well, first of all, meat in general is non-negotiable.
1: Um, I've met some people that very, very rarely would I say, like, if you're a person that has tried everything and and you still have issues with red meat because there there are some people that do have issues with red meat um but for the most part it's probably something else that's going on
3: yeah yeah it's just that there's so many variables that go into your health you know from genetics to what you've been eating your whole entire life and you know your lifestyle so you can't just go off of what a documentary said and be like okay i shouldn't eat that no if if you haven't had any problem with it before then why are you stopping one of the parts of that documentary that got like i was like oh i just want to grab all these people and choke them they said in the documentary they were like protein does not give you energy and then they just stop the the and then move on <laughs> to the next scene and i was like well Duh, the, the protein is not for energy. Protein is for recovery. But for a person that doesn't understand those things, if the documentary says protein doesn't, have any energy, doesn't give you energy, you're going to be like, oh, shit. Nope. What am I going to have protein for? What, what, do I need this what, what do I need this for? <laughs>
1: yeah. One of my biggest pet peeves with that documentary, and this is kind of going off topic, but is what they were trying to, or at least it seemed to me, what they were trying to portray is that if you became a plant-based athlete, that you would be at the top of the game.
0: Oh. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, because they, 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 right. the they give, give the you go- examples of the gorilla and the elephant.
1: I had, and, and yeah, and uh, they give you examples of athletes. They give you some, some examples of like some strong man and like, there's some a other. fighter
0: too that is it? Poor, poor, yeah. I don't know who it is. The oh, it's Nate Diaz. Nate But
1: again, Nate Diaz is, is he's a good, great fighter. I would not consider him the best fighter ever. Another thing, Nate Diaz, I love you if you're watching this. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's definitely. You're an, you're an awesome <laughs> fighter. You're a great fighter. I love the Stockton slap. Keep doing that. Um, but none of the other athletes I had ever heard of before. <laughs> none of the other athletes that they used as examples I had ever heard of before, and by they by n- by no means at the top of their field. There was so, a
3: strongman there that I've never heard before. Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Like, what are you, you're presenting to me that if I become plant based and I'm just gonna skyrocket to the top of the list, like no, that's not that's not what's gonna happen, guys. That's not what's gonna happen. Um, if there is a plant based athlete that is at the top of their game, it's not because they're plant based.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a lot more to There's it. A lot more to it. There's a, a lot, lot, lot more, more to it. it.
0: And I love shitty on Game Changers. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. All right. Before we start getting more hate and people emailing us, mail, um, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> question number nine. Is there any head slash neck exercises that I can do to make my jawline more sharp looking? I love this question so funny. I'm not
3: answering this one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I guess I'll answer because it was it was for my uh those
3: right. for my answer. Here.
0: If you want to make your jawline sharper, I would say number one, just lift in general is gonna build you a thicker neck because you have to create tension throughout your entire body to be able to perform compound lifts. That's number one. Through having your thicker thicker neck, also when you clench to lift develops your, your muscles a little bit more. So chew but on some gum? It's chew on, on mastic gum whatever that is. But, but number one thing b- besides and besides weightlifting and, and, and this is the uh, the answer for literally everything. Weight train, lose body fat. And your jaw is like your jaw is already there, bro. Like there's it's a bone. There's not much that else that can happen to it. If you don't have much of a jaw. Yeah, it if is. you if you if it's like if you don't have much of a jaw below the fat, there's not a lot that's gonna come out. Yeah, there's a lot of
1: anatomy here. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, like, bit how how the bone structure is ultimately going to play a way bigger role than mm-hmm. the muscles. Yeah. So, like, you can get more definition, absolutely. Especially if you're, like, super high in body fat. Like, who knows? Maybe you do have a crazy-looking jawline and you just don't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, but
0: you know what would help build, we'll your build, build your neck up a little yeah bit. build your neck can, you can for b- sure y-
3: you can do some neck curls yeah yeah um yep. they, it and does it does yeah.
0: make you look like more like thick here yeah. and it does make your jawline look sharp because bro I have a really round face yeah and like ever since I built my neck my neck up from Olympic lifting <laughs> you know what I mean it, it does look a little bit better yeah
1: I think neck training is relatively new in the field um so yeah it's the same concepts it's I think that a lot of people we, we could be intimidated by neck training.
0: Because they have to wear like that weird. Like, yeah, the,
1: and the iron neck and all of those things. Even, you don't <laughs> have to wear those things like you can just you do don't.
3: neck curls with your own body weight, like laying down face, face, face up on, a, on a bench. One of the I want to use that. No, of, I know you want yeah. to use it, but bro, trust me, do 25 reps with your own body weight. You're going to have That's a enough. huge yeah. neck yeah. neck pump. One of the like, few, <laughs> trust one me. of the things that I
1: tell just don't do it too fast.
3: Do it nice, slow and controlled, OK? <laughs> <laughs> <Isn't
1: that laughs> girl's yeah. before we move on <laughs> if you follow us you know what cars are so i'm not gonna i'm just gonna say this really quickly one of the things that i uh give people a lot not necessarily because i've gotten this specific question but people that have neck pain is doing cars neck cars prone sideline supine Mm. on your bed you don't need any equipment like jose said and that will build start building up some neck muscles
0: i know the person that asked this is not going to go know what that means Uh, maybe maybe he will but uh, i if if you need the to send videos of what that looks like just dm me and i i got you okay yeah cool
3: besides getting a sharp jawline one more thing last thing if you have if you suffer from a lot of headaches or let's say you suffer from migraines um or a lot of tightness in your neck
0: strengthen your neck
1: even in your shoulders,
0: even in your shoulders. Yeah. yeah.
1: Even if that, that those same things they said shoulder, upper back, yep. neck training, even some
0: like neck cards while holding kettlebells. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. All right. Cool. Ah,
0: yes. Question number ten. That's the the one. Is that the one that you wanted to answer the most that with your agenda? Yes, uh, I do have an agenda with this. It's <laughs> fine. It's fine. What? Uh, but <laughs> question number th- number I think ten, a lot of people need to hear this one. What supplements are worth the money and which ones are not? Okay, so please, Mr. Agenda.
1: Mr. Agenda, I wanna I wanna start this off by first saying what supplementation should be, because I think yeah. that a lot of people don't understand the word. The, the definition of the word is this: a, a supplement, meaning an addition to what you should already be trying to accomplish with your regular diet, which should be through food, which is accomplishing, you know. Hitting your your macros, your your micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, all of those things. So, if your diet does not sufficiently cover all of those things, then you could start looking into supplementation. So, with everything that we're going to say, if you could do these things without taking the supplement, it would ultimately be the best. Um, Now, I'm going to say one supplement that is going to be just impossible to do this with, creatine.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So... Creatine is one supplement that I think everybody and their mother should be taking. Uh, there are certain people,
0: very, very few people. Non-responders?
1: That, not, not non-responders, but that have a little bit of a, a digestive digestive issue when they start taking creatine. Um, I would could also look into other things why they could be having those digestive issues. But again, I've, I've very, very rarely ran into that issue where they have some uh, digestive issues. I would just say
0: that's people. also an indicator that something else is wrong. Yeah, yeah, most likely.
1: Yeah, there's um, thousands
3: of articles research papers done on creatine and
0: it's probably the, it's the most well most studied. Of the, most of them have been positive Ever. yeah
1: absolutely yeah. so the reason why it's super hard to get creatine through whole foods is because the only food that significantly has any amount of creatine is red, red meat. meat and it uh you would have to eat like a pound of it per day to get sufficient creatine
0: which for someone like us is not a problem but for someone at home that's just getting into this,
1: and and even for me because I don't want to eat a pound of red meat a yeah. day. Like I would, I want to switch up my proteins. So like I would, I I, I'm, I might eat that one day. I'd love to. I would love to like a big ass just dude, pound T-bone, just big 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 T tomahawk kind of yeah, steak
3: every day, dude. Like that's hard. Your your jaw is gonna hurt. Oh, if you yeah. want to grow your jaw, <laughs> then go ahead and go back to the <laughs> yeah. Bruh, I swear. Cause I've done it before, and I'm just like, 100%, oh, dude. Let me switch back to beef. <laughs> dude, I got like
1: two years ago for Christmas. One of my clients gave me a huge tomahawk steak, and Damn. it was delicious. It was delicious, but it was so big that I felt like it was a workout. To eat. <laughs> it was definitely a workout to eat. I got a pump and
3: everything, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. definitely
1: if you want to train your jawline. You
3: try your jawline. Get some red meat.
0: Yeah. Start getting your meat. creatine
1: from red meat only.
0: <laughs> my God. <laughs>
1: Uh, So, by the way, for creatine, um, 5 grams? 5 grams is what they talk about. Monohydrate. Yeah, Yeah, don't waste Uh, your money.
0: Maybe a loading phase of 10 grams for a week if you want to get the benefits quicker. But you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. No, you can just
1: just cruise it out. Just
0: 5 grams every day.
1: It'll take you a little bit longer to actually get the benefits, but again, you're you're, going to use that creatine over time anyway. Um, and the benefits of creatine are not necessarily day one or two. They're over time. So like if you take creatine for a month and you stop taking creatine, like those benefits are not going to stick.
0: Right.
1: Um, They're also
0: not going to start like the right. moment they put creatine. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm.
1: you'll and, and if you do take creatine, do not be afraid. You will most likely see two to five pound increase. That's normal. Water retention happens with creatine. Absolutely normal. Um,
0: isn't it because so th- so isn't it that the water that was already being stored is now being stored inside the cell as opposed to the outside?
1: Well, they are gonna retain so creatine. To my understanding, he can probably answer this better. Yeah. But it increases your ATP storage in your muscles, which is adenosine triphosphate. Mm-hmm. Um, and in your muscles, you, they want to they're gonna want to have an, uh, like some type of homeostasis with ATP, which is gonna require more water to hold the ATP. Is that correct, or is that that's okay. correct? Okay. Yeah. You so
0: didn't, You didn't need me for this. Okay. <laughs> so, w- w- What is that? So, so, so how does that answer the question?
1: It doesn't answer the question. What I'm saying is, is so it, for yeah. people that do start taking creatine, it is normal to see a slight increase in weight due to water retention. The water retention happens because of that scientific thing that I just said that people don't care about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically the more ATP that you have, the more water that you're going to need to hold because you need water to hold ATP. Mm-hmm. Um, so another supplement that I think is very useful for people talking about the same thing that we were just talking about is protein, protein powder. Uh, I use protein because it's hard for me to hit my protein intake most days. Um, So I end up using a protein powder. However, if you could thank you, if you could get all of your protein intake from Whole Foods, that is a way better option. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: This is hard.
3: All right. You want to give the people the reason why the Whole Foods is better than the powder?
1: Uh, One of the big reasons we already went over, which is the bioavailability. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you have a processed food, any processed food, it doesn't have to be a protein powder, but a protein powder falls underneath that processed food categorization, you won't get, like, let's say that the serving per uh, per scoop is 30 grams of protein. You're not going to absorb all of those 30 grams from that scoop of protein. You might get like we said earlier not the optimum percentage hmm. so if you're getting 90 percent of or 85 to 90 percent absorption rate from a whole food that is not going to be the absorption rate from a processed food um, I think that that's the biggest benefit
3: yeah you want to yeah. add something oh, the other one is uh, protein powder does not have vitamins and minerals that yeah yeah so, profile yeah. yeah
1: perfect so let's talk about which ones are not and uh, and this question so I want to Because this question, we kind of merged together from a bunch of different questions that we're asking kind of the same thing. One of which, and I think this is a big one because I've gotten this question a few times, is do fat burners work? And if so, or if not, why or why not?
3: I want to let one of you guys answer this. because
0: I'm not going to answer this. Okay.
3: Um, So, fat burners do not work. And the reason why, I mean... No, there's nothing that burns fat. <laughs> there's nothing that you can take that will go, in there, that we'll and go and in there and start getting a lighter it, it, to it, your yeah, body yeah, fat. Yeah, exactly. Um, what happens is it's it's all... Are you mar- picturing it?
0: it. Yeah. No, I, have, I have a client of mine. He's he's going to know if he watches this because he, he says that he, he, whenever he drinks tequila, the, the, the burning that he feels in his throat is the fat. being. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm burning the fat, Nick. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. So,
3: go ahead, Jose. So... Guys, the only way, the only way to lose body fat is to burn more than what you eat. Being in a calorie deficit, okay? It's the only way. Get it through your head. No other way. The fat burners are just a marketing scheme. With products, the products are inside the, the, the fat burners. They create some kind of like thermic thermogenic effect. So, it makes you feel warmer. Okay? Nuance stimulants and so a lot of one of the most popular things that are in the in the fat burners could be uh caffeine could be like uh some thermogenic uh hates like uh let's say uh colosin or s- plants like that like little yeah weird herbs. things herbs that just kind of bump up the temperature of your body and the caffeine will definitely give you more energy and so if you have more energy you have more of a You want to exercise more, and you can go harder on your workout. And so, since you're going harder on your workout and you're exercising more, then you might also be more fidgety. You be more fidgety, yeah. You're just exercising, burning more calories. But if you overeat, all those calories that you burned are gonna be replaced by all the calories that you overate. So at the end of the day, you won't burn any body fat.
0: Yeah. So the what clicked in my head when I when I heard about the the fidgety is neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is basically the movements that you do subconsciously. So you see how I'm speaking to the camera right now and I'm moving my hand right here? This burn cat burns calories. And you add all these little movements throughout the day and eventually adds up to a decent amount. And as you decrease your calories, your meat tends to decrease too. Some things that you may ingest may increase your meat temporarily and make you move more. But then again, eat those 100, 200, 300 calories back and it's like...
1: Right, yeah, right. So an- an- another reason... <coughs> I also Jose,
0: argue that you can do that with caffeine.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you absolutely can. Um, and I want to address what Jose said, because Jose said fat burners don't work. Sometimes fat burners will make you lose weight. Now, let's talk about why that happens. Okay, because then some people will take fat burners and they lose weight and be like, hey, Jose, you,
3: you're wrong. Fat burners do work. Come at me. Just right. DM me and come at me. I'll, <laughs> we'll discuss it.
1: Damn. So... The reason that you might lose, you might be more likely to lose some weight if you take a fat burner. Now, this might not happen because if your habits are terrible with eating food and you're overeating constantly, it doesn't matter what fat burner you take, you're still going to gain or maintain or not lose. Mm -hmm. Um, Caffeine, all of these things, all these stimulants tend to suppress hunger a little bit as well. So they might make it easier for a person to get into a caloric deficit without having hunger the entire day however it all comes down again to caloric deficit or not are you ingesting less than what you are expending period it does not matter what brand unless you're doing uh the, the what is it that people do uh what's that steroid Clembuterol. clenbuterol that is the only one that i will say if you take that you'll definitely but
3: that's not a supplement that's a that's, that's a medication yeah. that's that's, way, medication. Way, that's not something yeah, that yeah. you, you need a prescription to buy that legally
1: yeah so yeah. fat burners, because that's not a fat burner. I was just using that as an example of how extreme you would need to go f- to, for something to actually be like, okay, this is 100% going to make me burn uh, body fat. And that doesn't even necessarily make you burn body fat. Again, it's kind of the same thing. Um, you need to be in a caloric deficit. So fat burners do not burn body fat. Fat burners decrease your hunger and increase your energy levels, which could set you up if you have good habits to lose body fat but they do not burn body fat, mm-hmm. period. All right, Perfect. so the other, uh, just to finish this question off, the other part of this question was, which supplements should you not be wasting your money on? So we already talked about fat burners. Definitely don't waste your money on that, okay? Like Oof. Nick said, Sorry. you could probably just do the same thing with coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, oh, yeah, I would okay. say, branch chain amino
0: acids. BCAs.
3: Yeah. If you're already consuming enough protein, you are consuming enough branch chain amino acids, so you don't need to add more. Yeah.
1: And if you're not consuming enough protein, don't add BCAAs just to get the benefits from BCAAs. Add more protein. Add more protein. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we'll go back to like uh, the research thing that we were talking about. And for the
3: audience to understand this, branch chain amino acids are the main components of protein. So protein is made of branch chain amino acids.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what protein that's is. That's what protein is. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. different profiles of branched-chain amino acids. Mm-hmm. You can have a complete protein, which means that you have all of, all of the essential amino branched-chain acids. amino acids, or you can have an incomplete protein, which most plant-based protein sources are incomplete proteins, by the way, which is why red meat is so good. and it's not a complete just meat, protein. it's a complete protein. Um, so, yeah, protein. Like, if you were to get a scoop of protein and compare it to a scoop of branched-chain amino acids, the scoop of protein has more branched-chain <laughs> amino acids than the branched-chain amino acids. And it's cheaper, yeah. so there yeah, you go. Yeah, like
3: your protein powder already has branched-chain chain amino, amino acids, acids. so yeah. you don't need to buy a
1: separate supplement
3: of branched-chain <laughs> amino acids.
1: Uh, and we're laughing because it's it's frustrating, right? Because I did it. I bought it all yeah, the time. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And, and and it's the marketing. It's, it's obviously these uh, companies that read a research because what happens is if you take a regular person that's under-consuming protein and you give them branched-chain amino acids, they will see benefits. They will get more endurance. They will see performance boosts. They will see energy boosts. All of these things. The reason why they're seeing that is because these are the building blocks of protein. They would see the same exact results if they ate 10 grams more of protein a day. Mm -hmm. 20 grams more of protein a day. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Test boosters. Why and why not? (laughs) so test boosters usually again herbs, yeah. herbs all of these things uh, like these like ashwagandha all of these yeah, things
3: like all these herbs they have studies but they're not the best funded studies and there's not conclusive research that really says yes this does increase your your testosterone because the thing is that when they do these studies they make the person exercise they make the person sleep more so Maybe what them exercising more is what really increases testosterone, or losing body fat really increases their, t- their, t- their testosterone, or sleeping more increases testosterone. Yeah. So, right now I just told you three ways to actually increase your testosterone without using test boosters. Real ways. Real ways. Proven. Proven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you want to use a supplement, then you can take steroids. That does really increase your testosterone. Yeah. That is the. If you take testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exogenically. Exactly. If you take testosterone, yeah. you will increase your testosterone. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, collagen. I think this is a big one today. Like Mm -hmm. collagen protein, collagen in general, especially amongst women. Uh, It's the same reason why we said no to our branched-chain amino acids. Uh, There's some research that says collagen will give you certain benefits with skin and all of these things, health in general.
3: But if you you eat enough protein, you're going to get enough collagen production. Yes, exactly. So So it comes back to the same thing. I
1: think there's a pattern here. Yeah. Starting to see it
3: we're saving you guys money man yeah literally we're telling you don't waste your money on all of these different things
1: just buy protein and creatine that's the only two things that I would say uh that you could even do without the protein really the only thing that you need is the creatine because it's really hard to get it Mm -hmm. elsewhere but um yeah unless you
3: want a big job line yeah Yeah. you gotta eat your
0: eat that red meat don't waste your money on supplements waste your money on our coaching (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't be wasting. <laughs> they wouldn't be wasting. That would <laughs> be, be an investing. investment. Yes. An investment.
3: Yes. A lifetime Man, investment. Man, all these,
0: like, I'd say 90% of these questions are on nutrition. I don't know if you guys realized. Are they? Yeah. Dude, we had like two there aren't.
1: They, we started off with a bunch of. Uh, not really. Muscle. Look at it.
0: It was just the number three? Powerlifting. Nutrition. How can I get. Well, I guess gaining weight, but we kind of not talk about nutrition there.
1: Kettlebell, biometrics. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a good mix. But yeah, there's a lot of nutrition stuff. I think it's. Move, Give move. the
3: people what they want.
1: Give the people what
3: they want. Yeah. That most people struggle with this part of their fitness journey, which is the nutrition. Yep. Because getting to, working out is the easy part, in my in my opinion. You just got to show up and do ish. it, and it's fun. But the nutrition is, you know, you got to cook, habits. and you got to change the habits, and you got to tell everybody that you're uh, taking no. care of your nutrition, you're and people are going to be asking you why, culture. and why are you doing it? Why don't you want to have fun? YOLO your life, and it's... it's it's, it's a complicated renounce subject. your culture. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But actually, yeah. that's a good, like, especially right now, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. You know, I think that that's a big thing mm-hmm. for people. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, this is not one of our questions, guys, but I think that a lot of people will benefit from this um, is what should you do? Like, if you're on a diet and somebody invites you to Thanksgiving, what should you do? This is what I tell my clients, especially the people that I know that are doing. Checking their boxes, right? Going mm-hmm. back to that thing about checking your boxes. It's not so much about what you shouldn't do. It's about the things that you should make sure that you're doing. So, again, like, I do this myself sometimes. <laughs> um, sometimes, not sometimes, every single day I wake up at 4 in the morning so because I have to be at work at 5. Certain days I want to get a little bit more sleep, so I sacrifice my breakfast and I have a protein shake that is not the best thing that you could do but every now and then it's not going to matter and if it you know makes you sleep a little bit longer and then you feel better about that then great if you feel better by being with family enjoying yourself in thanksgiving if you get if you're not getting those benefits and you're too neurotic cuz i definitely know some some people that i know that are including myself at some points way too neurotic i remember certain years taking my Tupperware to thanksgiving and not eating any other thanksgiving food and Same. regretting that Same. Yeah. um so going back to the the question we had earlier about what if I don't get protein enough. or what, If you eat one meal but that meal also brought enjoyment, being with family, being present, all of these benefits that you can't get from eating the perfect meal, then I say go for it. Yeah. And then the day after Thanksgiving, get back on track. Yeah. That's it.
3: Exactly.
0: Cool. Yeah. Alright,
3: next one. Question. But de- definitely no. during the holidays is not the best time to <coughs> get into a cut. Yeah. No. Like Unless you're doing a competition, like if you have a powerlifting meet or you have some kind of like sporting event that you need to be at a certain body weight, then or, you chose you kind of chose yeah. that that fate. So you're gonna have to really be Sacrifice. sacrificing. Dude, yeah. But if if you're if you don't have any of those plans, mm-hmm. like, like today today I was speaking to a client and and he was like, "Hey Jose, I really want to get into a cut," and I was like, "Dude, like right now holidays will start. It's gonna be very difficult." And so I was like, maybe you should wait until January. Like enjoy your time, you know, the stay the stay maintaining, enjoy your time with your family, go out to your trips, have fun with, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas and all these things. There's gonna be a lot of parties. Like it's not the best time yeah. to do it right now.
1: Unless you want unless your goal is to be the most disciplined person. Exactly. Like yeah. I
3: want willpower. <laughs> then maybe Yeah, that would be an amazing challenge, but
0: it's rough because it's like yeah. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, back to yeah. back. Right. 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 and if you have a significant other, there's right Valentine's Day coming up right is, around yeah. the
1: corner. Yeah, and so. yeah, my, my my anniversary was just not last month too. So it's just like yeah. everything. Boom boom boom. Yeah, yeah, my mom's birthday is the first week of of December. It's just like just everything. Yeah, is th- not gonna work. Yeah,
3: so I just think. wait till January. You know, January first, new you. You know, New Year, New, new, year, new year, New Year's, new year's resolution. You're motivated, and so that would be like the, I guess, the perfect time. Just to don't stop start. training, though. Yeah,
0: don't stop training. Exactly, keep doing what you're doing. Go bear mode. Yeah. <laughs> Hibernate. <laughs> right. um, All right, let's keep going. Question number eleven: How much salt? It's too much salt. Um.
3: It's a very good question, and if you have too much salt, uh, you will have diarrhea, straight up. So that's when you know that that was <laughs> too much salt uh at once okay but if you're a person that just continues to eat a lot of uh salt and salt has a lot of sodium and you don't exercise it's going to accumulate a lot in your body and that's not going to be healthy for you now if you are currently exercising a lot and you sweat a lot then you do have to replenish your sodium intakes because sodium is used to, pr- to create atp like we were discussing uh that's what your body uses for energy so yeah, I don't know if you guys sodium more. Sodium and potassium, I think.
1: Yeah, are sodium some and potassium. Yeah. things. Electrolytes. That, because I think that to answer this question fully, we have to answer like how
0: much How much how salt much? is too little yeah. salt. Like yeah. I
1: think a lot of people go the other way because they hear like, okay, I shouldn't be having sodium. So mm-hmm. they're, they go, they complete, they, they they switch the scales the whole other way and they're like, I'm not going to have any sodium at all. Mm-hmm. And you need, you need sodium. sodium. Yeah. You absolutely need sodium. I would say... To answer this question, that big changes in sodium consumption can be can have a more more of an effect on your health and things that are happening in your body rather than like if you're eating a high amount of sodium if you compare it to like the recommended daily value that mm-hmm. that you you see and you know if you download an app or if you look it up. Um, I think that it's more so about that. Like if I regularly eat 1500 milligrams of sodium and then all of a sudden one day I eat 5,000, I'll see some changes in my body. I'll see some, you know, some things happen. Uh, But yeah, like.
3: You might just weigh more the next day because you're retaining water. Exactly.
0: For ATP. Yeah, for (laughs) ATP, yeah.
1: (laughs) So. Yeah. So yeah, sodium's not bad. Sodium is actually necessary. It's necessary. Necessary. You
0: guys see this? There's salt in here. Yeah. Every day.
1: That that post that you made with
0: the, the oh yeah salt my, pre-workout. The, the best pre workout <laughs> I uh, yeah I, I do and 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 my aguita de coco papi. Uh, my coconut water
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 I used to do that too the the salt pre workout there was a, a a period of time where I where I was taking salt not as a pre workout but with my pre workout in
0: the video I literally like dumped it on my mouth yeah
1: <laughs> but I would also do that and then chug a ton of chug a ton of water. Like, so I would mix that because, again, with sodium, like, what your body wants is a, is a balance. Sodium mm-hmm. will make you retain more water. So, like, if you have a ton of sodium and you don't have a ton of water, then there's a problem. If you have a ton of water and you don't have a ton of, uh, enough sodium, um, then that can also be problematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's balance.
0: Okay. Question number 12. What can you do if you get muscle cramps? Have more sodium.
3: And water. And potassium. And potassium. Yeah.
1: Electrolytes, Electrolytes. and hydration.
3: Yeah. Which
1: hydration if you're having like good sources of water and stuff like that um and if you're hydrating yourself what's a good well, source of water something that's not super um not processed but what's the filtered something that's not super filtered so like there's a bunch of waters that are like spring super water. distilled so spring water is awesome especially here in florida actually like if you tap water is not too bad um in most places i don't know where you live if you're listening to this at home but uh you want to keep the minerals in your water because you need mm-hmm. those minerals so I think that a lot of companies, a lot of these, you know, and those
3: mi- and those minerals are potassium, potassium sodium, sodium, magnesium. Yep. Yeah. These
1: electrolytes that you absolutely need. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's a, a big answer. And another thing. So like muscle cramps. If you're having muscle cramps at rest, this is the answer. If let's say you're training mobility and you get a muscle cramp, then there's a different answer. Mm-hmm. Um. If you're getting a muscle cramp when you're training mobility, so you have access to a new range you've stretched and now you're contracting in that range and you get a cramp good for you good for you work through that cramp that's mm-hmm. fine completely normal it's kind of neural pathways being built new neural pathways being built your body doesn't really know how to respond to it so it responds with a cramp
0: Tissues yeah. that are contracting in positions that they haven't contracted before at intensity they, they have never contracted before in not the most they're not happy Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I actually kind of like when my clients get oh, cramps same. when I start. I laugh. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there you go, you're doing it right. <laughs> I,
3: thought, I thought it was just me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I laugh, and they secretly like it.
0: Yeah, of course, <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, oh.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Try doing some uh, knee flexion with the knee with the hip extended.
3: Oh yeah.
0: my god, or man, the, that's the worst. The lift-offs for the hip flexors.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get man. some cramps that way for sure, mm. guaranteed. All right. All right.
0: Question number thirteen: What are your thoughts on keto? Mm, uh,
1: mm-hmm. This true. is kind of tied to the not not directly, but like my answer is very similar with this to um to the fat burner thing, the fat burner answer as to why some, some people why think keto,
0: keto works. works. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you guys go first because I have a different answer for it.
1: Okay, awesome.
3: Yeah, like you know, if if you're eating protein, carbs, and and fats, and um and then all of a sudden you take out what you take away all the carbs. And you're just eating protein and and fat, you're gonna be eating less, so then you lose weight.
1: Mm-hmm. I think there's a bunch of things that we need to answer with this question uh, because yeah, it's kind of open-ended.
3: Yeah, it's open-ended because, well, in terms of like the losing weight, mm-hmm. that will be like uh, a, p- a pathway as to why. But you know, there's a lot of research—not research, a lot of people claiming that keto has cured a lot of their diseases or or, or conditions. Um, even some powerlifters have claimed that they get better performance doing keto. And to me, I, that's very difficult to believe, believe. Yep. Um, especially for powerlifters. Like powerlifters or, or bodybuilders, like our main source of energy is glycogen, carbohydrates. And so when you elimi- eliminate that, it's hard for your body to tap to that easy access, which is carbohydrates are really easy access to tap into so that you can produce energy. It's hard for me to believe that a bodybuilder would perform better without carbs. Yeah. So
1: let's go a little bit deeper a into that there. system, because I think it's important. Um, so your body has four different sources of energy that it can use to help you perform. Like literally what I'm doing right now, my body needs to get some source of energy to move my arms around. Uh, the most readily available form of energy is, as Jose was saying, glycogen. It's stored in your muscles, so you're, you literally don't need to go anywhere to get that energy mm-hmm. in ketosis you have to go through a completely different system to turn fat into glycogen and then into atp so that you can actually use it so it's a way longer process um and it just takes up more energy to get there to get there yeah um so i keep saying it. Um, <laughs> keto i think a lot of people also think that it's healthier I think it's also about like again, what are you having? What are you not having? If are you taking away some things that may be irritating to your body, to your gut? You know, mm-hmm. some of these pro, uh, some of these processed carbs, because a lot of the carbs that people have are processed. Like you were saying, the pasta, like just bowls of pasta, yeah, cereal and cereal, all these things. So,
3: ice cream, chocolate, things like this.
1: If if you think that keto is going to help you lose body weight, any any fat diet that is restrictive enough will. Be will promote caloric deficits. Yeah. Same thing if you go vegetarian, if you completely take animal sources away from your diet, now you're left with way more limited choices so you're likely to eat less. Mm-hmm. If you can't eat carbohydrates, you're left with way limited choices so you're likely to eat less. I think the reason why this is dangerous is because a lot of people go into this not understanding how to get those nutrients elsewhere mm-hmm. um, when they go into these diets. So like if you go vegan and you don't know how to properly structure yourself. So you're getting sufficient protein. That's not a good thing. That's you're not going to be healthier that way. If you go keto, because you think that that's going to help you lose weight and you're not getting sufficient energy sources and you're not distributing your, you know, fats and proteins the way that you should be. And you're just like overeating one or the other again, not a healthy thing to do. Uh, so those are my thoughts on keto. Your turn
0: at the clinic that I work in with my two business partners now, um, I work with a chiropractor, Dr. Tito, and I also work with Hearth Healing Medicine. They are both studying to become holistic doctors right now, orthopedic massage therapists. They do consultations for um uh, people that are struggling with certain um dysfunctions and diseases and one of the things that they treat a lot is gut dysfunction and how your body can't really process certain nutrients and they kinda help people heal through that. And one of the, the um one of the processes that they put a lot of their their patients and their clients through is uh, a keto they pretty much just take carbohydrates away and the reason they gave me that for that is that it that allows the body to heal from the inflammation that, that is true that is true there
1: are a lot of carbs. carbohydrates that yeah. will cause a lot of inflammatory responses in the body so if you're somebody and this a lot of like people that have autoimmune diseases will do really good on a carnivore Style diet.
0: Shout out Dr. Dr. Jordan Peterson. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. They, yes. Him and his daughter both cured their own autoimmune disease by literally eating just steak.
1: Right, right. But my argument to that is I think the way that keto is marketed is that it's this like magical thing that if you're in ketosis, this is why these things are happening. You're
3: only burning only burning only burning fat, fat. Yeah. Um,
1: fat right? Yeah. Or, or ketosis in is in just a...
3: Fat burning 24-7. Right,
2: yeah.
1: What Nick just said is true. There's a lot of carbohydrate sources, specifically processed carbohydrates, that can have inflammatory responses from the body, your gut, and that's also gonna affect your training, it's gonna affect your other uh, digestion with other nutrients and things like that. So if you're that type of person, maybe going on a keto diet would be beneficial for you, but you have to educate yourself on why that is, and that doesn't mean that all carbohydrate sources are gonna be inflammatory for you. Right, you you,
3: you shouldn't pick it up just cuz you heard it from someone else or you heard someone else say that it was great. I'm like, oh, "Okay, then I would do the same." Like, Jordan Peterson picked up the carnivore diet because well, he easy. needed to he needed to.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, preface, they don't do that forever. It's right. uh, it's a, it's right. a 4 to 8 week process.
1: No, and I do see yeah. the benefit. It out of all of the fad diets, keto is not the worst. Mhm. It's not the worst. Um what would you I just say? think it's the worst. That I don't want to say <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know, I actually don't know
0: Tell me and I'll say it <laughs> I say don't know,
1: it. I don't know what I would say I don't know what I would say because, okay Alright, you know what I think is the worst one? Just because I think it's even worse than, than keto In terms of the way that it's marketed Intermittent fasting
0: Whoa, damn
1: Not because I think it's bad for people This is, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be very specific about this I'm talking specifically about the way that it's talked about Mm-hmm As if intermittent fasting will give you all of these health benefits that I disagree with. Fasting does give you some health benefits, not if you're doing it every day. And also, when you talk about research through fasting that gives you benefits, it's like 24, 48, 72-hour fasts, not 12 hours, Mm -hmm. right? So intermittent fasting should be called time-restricted eating. That is my... uh, Pet peeve with intermittent fasting. Not that it's unhealthy or anything like that. It's just, I really don't like that they try to use fasting. <laughs> Same thing with ketosis. They're using these words that they're trying to like flare
3: them up and f- like fancy words, throw them mm-hmm. at
1: you so that you buy don't, into the diet. You don't diet. even
3: understand what it means, but it sounds cool. So you're like, yeah, let me do that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense.
1: So so yeah, I just, I don't, I don't have any quarrel with any diet in specific. I just don't like the way that the, the market portrays them and, and you know feeds them to, to, to the general population
0: yeah yeah. beautiful are we moving on yep cool question number 14 out of 15 we are almost done here guys um, thoughts on water cut slash gut cut for competition prep specifically I'm assuming for um, competitions that are body weight specific or body weight dependent mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. powerlifters uh, wrestlers who was uh, Olympic lifters yeah, given uh say, yeah.
1: I don't know if body bodybuilders I think bodybuilders pro bodybuilders now there have
0: a s- weight limit. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, so people that are bodyweight dependent for their yeah. sport. I believe.
3: Yeah. yeah. Also right, well, um my thoughts on this if I'm going to speak my my sport which is powerlifting that's what I've have the most experience with when it comes to coaching cuz I do have experience with um with the gut cut and the and the water cut. Um, if you are competing for the first time you don't need to be gut cutting or water cutting unless like your first time you're about to break a world record or something like that and you really 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 do want that okay if it's your first time powerlifting and you're doing it for fun it's a competition or whatever is you know one the experience there's no point of doing that just sign up really learn the rules and compete and have fun uh water cuts and gut cuts uh, do you know what a gut cut is no okay so a gut cut by by all means this is not a prescription of a diet that everybody should do or anybody should do okay like it's it's gut cut basically means that you reduce the amount of content in your stomach so you can weigh less and the way that you do that is by eating high calorically dense foods it's um yeah it's very fun yeah <laughs> like basically you're eating all like carbs that you eat are high sugar carbs like okay. oreos. bro you're basically eating almonds and oreos yeah, yeah you're eating like oreos you're uh, anything that has uh, like uh, l- let's say it's like um ice cream uh oreos cereal those are the types of carbs you're going to be eating the fats that you're going to be eating come from also those carbs but it only it's going to come from almonds because almonds are very little, but they contain a lot of calories, mm-hmm. just like an oreo oreo is like very little, but it contains a lot of calories like you can easily eat a thousand calories of oreos and not be full yeah they have no all these carbs have no fiber mm-hmm. okay, and then the protein only comes from protein powder, which basically weighs nothing
0: and well liquid yeah yeah and liquid. So yeah. It just
3: yeah. yeah, so you do this diet for three days before the meat. And let me tell you, like, it really works because the things you eat the same amount of calories, but you feel so empty <laughs> because the foods that you're eating just do not fill you up at all. There's like a void in you. Yeah, it's a void, void in you. Well, you feel satiated. Yeah. Which is crazy. I've yeah. never done this. It's a, weird, it's a weird feeling, and you wake up super lean, and it doesn't really affect much of your of your performance because you actually stay eating carbs, and mm-hmm. you're still eating your protein. You just weigh less the water cut that one does can affect your your performance because now you're losing on electrolytes, now you're losing water content which really helps with your performance when you when you lift. Um some people do both at the same time. Like and if they if they really really need to cut weight, they do both the water cut and the gut cut.
1: And uh if you lose a lot of water, you would also lose sodium and potassium right. and all of these things. Yeah, yeah. So uh yeah. It's yeah. not only is it because okay, what I'm thinking, I've never had experience with powerlifters doing that. But what I have had experience with is not directly helping somebody do a, a water cut. But I've had uh, combat athletes that I train that have a coach that, when they're going to do their fight, they end up doing a... not with me, with their their coach, skills coach, coach with right? the Skills, yeah. Um, with their kickboxing or boxing or MMA or whatever coach, with that coach, they do their water cut. Um, but I get to see how their performance suffers yeah. getting close to, to to the fight, especially like those days before, right? Uh, it can be, and I've seen it not just with my athletes, but like I've seen it, I follow, I, I'm a huge UFC fan. So I've seen people, you know, almost pass out hitting the scale
2: mm-hmm.
1: and having, you know, shaking, having cramps. The reason that you're having cramps, again, is the same reason why we answered earlier. If you're losing a lot of water, you're losing a lot of uh those electrolytes that are going to end up, you know, making that central nervous system kind of freak out a little bit. Um, there's a lot of science behind that. Sodium, potassium pumps, etc. ATP, ner- nervous system stuff. Nerdy so. Uh, Yeah, people aren't going to want to hear that. But, uh, yeah, it's not, not very healthy. It's not the best. Mm-hmm. But if you are an athlete and you need to do it, just make sure you do it right. Yeah. Just make sure you have somebody helping you that knows what they're doing and uh, isn't going to hurt you.
3: The best situation, if you're going to do these uh, water cuts or gut cuts, you want to be close to the body weight that you're going to be competing in. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be too far away because then you have to be more extreme, and that's where your performance is going to suffer. So I'm all for it. Just understand that there are some consequences. There
1: are some organizations. I know one championship, uh, different than the UFC, but it's also a big, uh, big organization for combat sports, is now doing hydration tests during... Uh, weigh-ins so that kind of limits athletes into what they can do for mm. water cuts and, and things like that yeah. which i think is a, is a good thing especially if you're yeah, a combat yeah. athlete because if you're a combat athlete you're you're putting your life on the line when you're competing as opposed to like a powerlifter like yeah you might get injured but like you literally are putting your life on the line when you're a combat athlete, the next day after you weigh in, yeah, and even though you might get that water intake back, you still might retain some of those negative effects if you went too far into a water cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, be careful. But they can be done. They can be very effective, and uh, they can be done safely. Yeah,
3: we're gonna put uh, we're gonna have them try the the gut cut. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> For three, you days. Know, he, for he three wa- days He wants to compete I am going Yeah Next year For yeah. powerlifting Yeah, yeah during I'm on the coach my of ar- Around it. my birthday okay. time okay. Yeah, okay yeah May
1: So Look out for that Alright Sick Yeah, yeah. Question number
0: 15 Questions. Out of 15 Last one for the day guys This was actually A pretty cool one I have reached My nutritional And lifting goals Now what How can I be challenged I love this one This was a good question
1: Yeah, yeah. Cause uh I think that a lot of people are going to eventually – if you stick with your training long enough, you will find this several times yep. throughout your training career where you hit your goals or you didn't hit your goals. Um, let's say that your goal, you know, uh, powerlifting meet, whatever, bodybuilding competition, any other sport, wedding day, the day passed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What now? Um, this is why I think that that well-rounded training is super key because I think that people are very single-minded when it comes to their goals, whether it's like a strength goal or a composition goal or anything like that. Um, and that's also why I think that having short-term and long-term goals is a key. So that is something that I think your coach can educate you on very well. Uh, if you have a good coach into like, what can you work on next? and going back to what nick loves to say working on your weakest link there will always be a weakest link mm-hmm. no matter if you reach your goals nutritional um lifting uh and and reaching your goals in terms of nutrition what does that mean was does that mean that you reached your weight goal body comp body comp or does that mean that like
0: you can what, eat more calories now eat more
1: calories right like does it mean that it. you are finally at the place where you feel like you can start to stop relying on the tracking so much, be a little bit more intuitive. So like, but again, if you're at any of those points, there's still th- some things that you could work on. And especially if you're asking this question, like how can I be challenged? This is a great place to be at. Like, give me more. There's always something that you could work on. It might not be the the most fun thing, but like if you're at this place where like you're asking, how else can I be challenged? This is a great place to be. Yeah. Yeah, for
0: sure. Personally, to me, man, it just has happened organically. Like, okay, well, I'm to kind of like introspect a little bit. He's like, well, what do I want now? And I, I, I also think that this person should also do this. It's like, ask yourself. I think you can answer that question yourself. Sit down a little bit, write some stuff down. And be like, I think this would lo- this would be nice. Let me try this out. Yeah, yeah. Completely changing things. Yeah. Nothing to add.
3: No, because you guys said everything pretty good. I'll say this, especially like. If you have a well-rounded program, then you can focus on other things, your weakest link. And I think that's, that's the answer. Just focus yeah. on your weakest link if you wanna be challenged,
0: so.
1: And I, also the best way to reach your goals is to have that well-rounded, is not to just train that one goal. hmm So,
0: yeah. You're only as strong as your, as weakest, your weakest link. link. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I, I will kind of finish my answer with to this question with this. I think that there's been certain points in my life where I've hit points where I think that I have reached my goals, but my goals just change. They don't like, it's not like I reached them and, and going back to the, the training after forties, like your goals will change as your lifestyle. Maybe you don't know what you want to do now, but in one year, events in your life are going to happen that are going to show you what your goals yeah. may need to be. It's, yeah.
0: it's way more of a life thing too, man. Yeah. Dude, I, in September, September 24th it was my 21st birthday. I competed in powerlifting and I deadlifted at 545 pounds. Three weeks later, I was running three and a half miles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because my life just changed that much that yeah. quickly. I was like, and now I'm up and running, man. I'm like, every freaking Wednesday that the the, the freaking Western Run Club is there, I'm like, I'm, I'm there. I'm yeah. kind of into this now.
1: Yeah. there's uh My gym is doing some mud run thing. I've never done something like that. Yeah. I want to do it. And I have the time to train right now to do it. Uh, so that's something that like just taking on something that you m- never thought that you would yeah. will open up doors will like because then you start training something different and you're like wow my endurance sucks like my strength can be great <laughs> but my endurance sucks get on a, get on an assault bike and try to go for you know three straight minutes
0: at a good pace and you'll you'll you, you find out um cannot even begin to tell you how sore I was after that first day of running yeah I bet from zero to three and a half miles
1: and you train every day and or at every, least yeah. almost yeah really I trained
0: everything, yeah. dude my my, my my, butt my quads my knee, my hand, my calves couldn't walk couldn't get out of my car yeah and you're yeah. like oh I'm here I'm this trained guy he's like yeah okay go yeah. run yeah
3: for me I personally got back into playing basketball so like I used to train I used to do weight training four days a week now I'm just doing it two times a week because I spending most of my time working on my skills and practicing and playing it's just what I want to do now yeah you know but I also don't want to lose what I've gained so i still do the minimum requirement to maintain you know my strength and stuff like that so
1: i um i saw somebody say something like this recently and actually it was uh it was sal from mind pump which is falling in love with the process is so much more beneficial than just looking forward to your goals the specific quote that he used was a man who loves walking will walk more than a man who loves the destination so thinking about goals if your whole goal is to reach your goals then you will find yourself thinking like okay what now and the best thing that i could su- like suggest for somebody like that is to try to fall in love and understand why reaching your goals makes you happy reaching your goals doesn't make you happy because you reach reached the goal if anything this is what happens when you reach your goal you're like what now what, what now
3: mm-hmm.
1: so Really, what brings you happiness is knowing that you put all of that work in and it paid off. But the work understanding that, like the reason that this paid off is because I worked my ass off for this. Mm -hmm. So understanding that and falling in love with that journey of fitness will make your goals endless. Because then when you reach one goal, you're like, okay, what? This is the person. This is this is this person. You're here. You're here. You just don't know that you're here. Yeah. Because if you're asking for more challenge, you're already thinking this way. You're already falling in love with that process. You want more of that process. This is the perfect place to be. All you have to do is just look for something for another aspect of fitness, health, whatever it is, to train. Mm -hmm. That's it. And you will most likely like it because you're asking for challenge. So, yeah, that's what I would think.
0: Cool. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for today, guys. Uh, thank you for submitting your questions. Uh, we will definitely be doing more of this as, uh, as time goes on. Uh, please follow us on Instagram. Tag us on the screen, each one of us, and the uh, podcast Instagram as of right now. Uh, look forward to the next episode. Thank you very much, and have a great rest of your day.